Happiness is not because of what you get. Happiness is because of what you give. And I want to say thank you for giving so much. Yesterday was a, uh, a pivotal moment in our journey, especially in the context of our Blessed to be a Blessing series. Thank you all for showing up yesterday, loving our city. God's entrusted you and blessed you with gifts and with time, and you are blessing. And we are growing as a church in generosity. We're seeing the fruit of it. We're seeing how God is being glorified, and he's blessing other people in and through you. And thank you so much for your obedience obedience in your faith and just being such a generous church family. I really do believe it's a culture-shaping moment that one day we're going to be known as a generous church. We already are, but like when, I want, when people think of Gateway Fellowship, they're like, yeah, that's a generous church. Those are some generous people because God is so generous, right? Uh, happiness is not because of what we get, but because of what we give. And, and, I, and I think back, even this past weekend, I was, of all the volunteers that were mobilized yesterday, I, I couldn't help but remember a decade ago when we had our first Love and Action event, when it was just a couple of dozen people, and we met at one elementary school and gave up the whole day to serve. I remember when we were just one small group, just eight people that started with a burden for our friends in this community, a love for Jesus. And now today we have over 300 small groups with kids and students and adults. And I want to highlight just one or a couple of small groups. During our family picnic, uh, we had two chili cook-off winners, all right, the Knights and the Pinas. And they won. They got their trophies. But what's kind of coincidental about them is that they, they both are small group leaders, but they both came from the same small group. The Malachenkos, like... Sonia and Tamara had to be pretty proud, not just modeling good discipleship and love, but how to make a mean chili. <laughs> but here's what's cool. If you've never like traced, if you're in a small group, I encourage you to trace your spiritual family lineage because it is important. Like, the Malanchecos, they once belonged to Adam and Ashley's Gonzalez's small group. And the Gonzalez had belonged to the Antunas small group. And the Antunas had belonged to uh, the Brennan's small group. And there, once upon a day, the Larry had to be moved by the military, he was deployed, and asked uh, Abel and, and Jennifer to, to be trained to take over their small group. Well, the Brennan's had belonged to Christine and David Marquette's small group. And the Marquettes came from Chris and Jamie Donnell's small group. And the Donnells were the first class of H300. There were seven small group leaders that came out of one small group. Eight generations of faithful small group leaders, people making disciples, being obedient to what Jesus has told them to do, being unselfish and generous with their time and with Jesus. And I say thank you to every small group leader who has discipled and provided care for 300 small groups that represent over 3,000 people who are worshiped today. That's the multiplication, right? Only God can receive the glory for that. God is a God who loves multiplication. Like when it comes to addition, we can get credit for addition, but only God can get credit for multiplication. Turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9. As you're turning there, I want to remind you that the very first command that God gave man after he made them and then he blessed them. And scripture says in Genesis 1, 28, God blessed them 
and then gave them that command. Do you know what that command was? The first command that God gave man. It was before he said, worship me with all of your, your mind and your heart and your strength. Before he said, honor your parents. Before he said, don't murder. The first command, you know what it was? Genesis 1.28, the first command. God blessed and he said, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. Look over to someone sitting near you and say, it's time that you be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> now, if you're sitting next to a mama who's done having her babies, don't say it to her, all right? She gets free pass. <laughs> but even Jesus, it was the heart of multiplication, the heart of bearing fruit. In John chapter 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine. You are my branches. If you abide in me, if you dwell within me, if you're one with me, I want you to bear much fruit. And then he says, I will prune you so you can bear even more fruit. God is a God who loves to see fruit. He loves to see multiplication happens. And we're going to discover in this passage of scripture the principle for multiplication. How many of you would be okay with you if God multiplied your resources so you could be a blessing to others? All right? So let's... Look at this story. Starting in verse 12, it's late in the afternoon. Jesus is ministering to a big crowd of people with his disciples. And it says, when the day began to wear away, the 12 came and said to him, send the multitude away that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions. For we are in a deserted place here. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. Now, many believe that Jesus fed 5,000 people, but that's not the truth. This, back in that day, they would mention men as representing an entire family. Like this same account is listed in Matthew 14, 21. It says, now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So conservatively, during that day, where they had large families, if there was just four or five in every family, that's 20 to 25,000 people that Jesus was ministering to. Let the magnitude of that number sink in a little bit, all right? So then he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so and made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he did what? He blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So they all ate and were filled, and 12 baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them. Why 12 baskets left over? Well, some people might say, well, each disciple would have a doggy bag. That's not the truth. These 12 baskets represented the 12 tribes of Israel. But I want you, as we focus on this story, imagine that you're there. Imagine that you're one of those disciples, right? Imagine like like you were following Jesus. You believe he's the Christ. The blessed hope was like that a Messiah would come. And now you're, you're going to like feel like you're on that Messiah search committee, right? And, and you text and email all your friends saying, hey, Jesus is going to be at this place. There's plenty of room. Come, bring your friends, bring your family. You post something on social media. It goes viral and 25,000 people show up. 
All right? And Jesus is ministering, right? And the worship is incredible. And Jesus is on fire. He's anointed. He's teaching. And it goes long into the afternoon. Everybody misses the football games, right? And, 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 and Jesus' disciples are going, whoa, this is a big day. The Bible says in Luke 9 that the day weared on. Like it was late in the afternoon. And the disciples, I imagine they started talking to each other. Like they were hungry, maybe even hangry. Right? How many of you have ever been hangry before? Like, you're getting so hungry, you're like getting a little upset. Like, okay, we, it's, time that we, it's time that we dismiss. And so I, bet, I imagine they had a little, in their little small group while Jesus is ministering and teaching, and that they're talking. Like, they're, they're talking amongst themselves. Like, somebody's got to say something. Like, we got to tell Jesus something. And so somebody has an idea of like, hey, let's tell Jesus that the people are hungry. Like, like, he seems to really care for the people. Let's just tell him that, that, G, that the people are hungry. So they tell you to go tell them, and, and you're like, okay. And you kind of walk up, and Jesus is ministering. You kind of put your hand on Jesus' shoulder, and you're like, Jesus, I know I'm sorry to interrupt you, but we've been talking, and we feel like the people are hungry. We need to dismiss. And Jesus is saying, like, the people are hungry? And you're like, yeah, yeah, the people are hungry. And so Jesus looks at you and says, then you feed them. You're like, me feed them. You're like, okay. So you got to walk now back to the disciples, right? And the disciples are like, well, what did he say? And you say, he said that we got to feed him, feed them. And you're like, they're like, no, 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 no. That's not what Jesus said. You heard wrong. What did he say? Jesus said, you feed them. He has spoken. So everybody else is like, all right, all right, well, we got to obey Jesus and where are we going to get food? It's too late to go into town. So you start looking. You're like, looking for food, wherever there's food. And one of the disciples comes up, finds a little boy. He's got a little Sea Island doggy bag, right? In it is two fish and like five pieces of bread, right? That's all that's in the doggy bag. And so you get it and you tell the disciples and like, this is all we got. So you go back to Jesus and say, Jesus, Surely we're going to have to let everybody go. We only got five rolls of bread and two little fish. No way can we feed 25,000 people. It just doesn't make sense. And you know, when it comes to the Lord, a lot of times it just doesn't make sense, does it? The kingdom principles in the word of God oftentimes don't make sense to our fleshly eyes and our fleshly minds. But oftentimes, God's ways are higher than ours. God has a purpose when he tells us to pray and bless our enemies when the world would say, don't forgive them, get even. There's a principle that we put into practice that God will bless and he will multiply. And that's what we see happen. It says in verse 16 of Luke chapter 9, then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and he broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So Jesus takes the roll, and he looks up into heaven, and he asks his father to bless it. And then he breaks it. And the disciples are watching what happens as he breaks the bread and then he begins to hand it to the disciples, these broken pieces of bread. And you know, when it, we see something that's broken or we feel broken, it's easy to give up hope, right? But it's oftentimes after God blesses that there is a season that follows that is broken. 
And you may feel like that. You may say, God, I, I, I came to you. I brought it to you. I, I, you blessed it, but now it, it just looks broken. I, I look at my bank account, and look, the money's just not there. It looks like it's gone forever. Or maybe you're like, I, I started following you, Jesus, and, and now I don't have any friends. I don't have any relationships. I feel lonely. Or maybe you're in a broken season with your health, and you have this chronic injury or this, this physical condition that's going much longer than what you thought, and you're, you're broken Listen, you can't, over, you can't overlook that season of brokenness, but rather embrace it. Because only during the brokenness can you be humbled and be dependent upon Jesus to do a work that he can only do through you during a brokenness. Because when you're not broken, it's easy to be self-reliant, right? But when you're broken, you're going to be dependent, and you're going to cry out to God. And Jesus is going to be all that you can need. And that's what he desires for you. Embrace the brokenness. Don't run from it. Don't give up. But trust in the Lord. Don't lean under your own understanding. And trust that that 90% with God's blessing is better than 100% without it. Being broken with God's presence is better than life without him. Amen? Embrace the brokenness. Embrace the brokenness. Because sometimes things look worse before they get better. So he hands that broken piece to the disciple, hands it to another disciple and to another. And it's during that time as they're preparing to give that the miracle happens. From this story, there's two principles that we can discover. First, it must be blessed before it can be multiplied. It must be blessed before it can be multiplied. What would have happened if the disciples would have taken the five loaves and the fish, and then just ate it or just gave it out, would it have been blessed? Would it ever have been multiplied? You got to understand that the first thing they did when they got whatever food they saw was that they brought it to Jesus. They brought it to Jesus. And that's the way it works with our finances. We got to first be obedient and bring it to the Lord. Bring the tithe to the Lord. When it comes to finances, that's what we got to do first because he can't bless that which hasn't been brought to him. And it's easy to to go, well, man, my finances are a wreck or things are happening and it doesn't make any sense and I'm struggling. Well, you got to bring it to the Lord and then allow him to bless it. But it's got to be blessed before it can be multiplied. And when it's brought before him, when there's a faith step that happens where only he can get credit, he will multiply it. He will bless it. He will give you more than what you could ever imagine. That's the way God works. He's a, he loves multiplication. You know, last Sunday, we were able to bless a lot of veterans by giving them a free Warrior's Bible. The Warrior Bible is very special to my heart and to our church family, because once we, when we were in the movie theater, it was a Fire Bible project. We took up an offering of over $6,000 to see the, the Fire Bible translated to the Warrior Bible to equip military folks that have themes and articles and helps and a library of, of, of just devotional material in the Bible that would help people who are hurting, help people who are lonely or struggling with suicide or post-traumatic syndrome. And we felt like we need to make this a priority. Well, What's great about that story is several years later, we have someone who's in our church family, his name is Armando, who spent years serving in our military and special forces, and now he travels the world helping wounded warriors in the Air Force, helping in their recovery, giving them resources and and care to help them. 
Well, once he was at an event, and there was a sponsor for the Department of of Defense, the ministry there, and he reached out to the the sponsor uh, to see if they could send him any Bibles and devotional material. And do you know what Bible they sent him? It was the Warrior Bible, 100 Warrior Bibles. And he said he put these in stacks of 10, and he began to pray, and he began to distribute them to people in his office, to warriors who needed the word of God. Some were hungry for scripture, some weren't, but he began to pass it out. He began to to give it out. And then the rest of the story, he was telling me this this past Sunday. And so I asked him to email me what happened next. And he, he says, when I returned to my desk, there were more people waiting for me, asking me about the Bibles. And I told them that I would get a stack of material for them and visit sometime that day. God's word spread fast because the very next day we had more requests and another 10 Bibles were distributed. As our Bibles and materials were becoming low, we get a call from the mailroom that we had several boxes to pick up and were confused because we had not ordered anything new. Like manna from heaven, our Lord answered our prayers and saw our needs. People were hungry for the Lord's word, and we did not have enough to feed them. God saw this and made 10 Bibles turn into 20, then 50, then over 200. We distributed this to those who asked and those who did not, but more so to those who were curious about the power of God. I immediately shared the good news with my wife, Cynthia, and she asked for a set for each one of her small group members. I shared the good news with Randy Lamar, who said he was going to order Bibles, warrior Bibles, for Gateway Fellowship to be distributed during Veterans Day service. We are truly blessed to have God in our heart and family with Gateway Fellowship. To be appreciated and useful to our military community is so important because when you leave the military, you lose your sense of belonging. I truly have found mine again through Jesus and my family at Gateway Fellowship. We love you, Armando and Cynthia Franco. Praise the Lord. And the word of God is Jesus who said, I am the bread of life. And he says, this is our daily bread. And he wants to multiply and bless it and our friendships and the word of God and also with our finances. The first principle from our story is that it must be blessed before it can be multiplied. The second principle is that it must be given away. It must be given away. It was in the giving away that Jesus gave his disciples and the disciples gave the bread that the miracle happened. The first principle has to do with tithe. But the second principle is once the tithe is brought to the house of God, brought to the Lord, then above and beyond is this generosity that's just that you can give to people that are in need and that you get to give to missionaries that need to be supported, new churches that can be begin, to kingdom builders and to be see needs and, and bless and give. And that's what joy happens. That's what happiness happens. Not when we give, but when we give. So I just want you to, and I, I desire for you to be in that the best possible place, the right posture to receive God's blessing so you can bless others. And it takes responsibility. You got to be a good steward. You got to manage well what God gives you. So I just want to give you some practical advice on how to steward and manage well so you can be a blessing to others after God blesses you. First, to be a good steward, number one, recognize it all belongs to the Lord. 
It all belongs to the Lord. Psalm 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, the world and those that dwell therein. Everything is created in and through Jesus. He's our creator. He owns it all, doesn't he? Like every air that we breathe, it comes from the Lord. Our children are a blessing from above. All of our finances, everything belongs to the Lord. And we've got to understand that. Even our time belongs to the Lord. That's why at the very beginning, God modeled for us. He worked six days, and then he rested on the seventh. He modeled it for us, and then he told us to keep and remember the Sabbath, a day of the week that we are to set aside, to not work, to rest, to put him first as a reminder that time, all time, belongs to the Lord. It's the same thing with our finances. He says, bring the tithe. Bring 10%. It all belongs to me, but bring 10% back to me and see if I don't just bless you. And, and, and so we got to recognize that it belongs to the Lord. And number two, steward with generosity. Steward with generosity. We live in a culture where it's easy once we receive money or make money to pay bills, to spend it, to get. And that is the temptation first. It's that love of money that can get us into trouble, right? But here's the order that we see in, in the, these kingdom principles that we see in Proverbs and see throughout Scripture. First, tithe. Second, give. Third, save. Fourth, spend. You do that order, and you watch what God will do. Third, real practically, get out of debt, all right? First, don't get into too much debt. Don't get credit cards that you can't pay off at the end of the month. If you got a 30-day mortgage, try to make it a 15-year. Do whatever it takes. Learn how to do the debt snowball. But be intentional about getting out of debt. This will free you up, all right? And fourth, be content. Don't compare yourself to others. Don't envy what other people have, a lifestyle, or, or just be content. Find your rest in the Lord. Trust in him, and you'll see how much peace that you have. And finally, number five, be a generous giver. Walk in generosity. Have eyes that are wide open of how you can meet needs around you. Be a generous giver and, and discover the joy and the happiness that can come in giving. I want to share a personal story as it relates to this, this principle of being blessed to be a blessing. And I, and I didn't want to share this story. I've been kind of wrestling with it. The tension is that I don't want to, to receive any credit. I don't want to take away from the glory of God. But I've just seen God's hand so powerfully in this story that I, I want to give him all the honor and praise because it's, it's fired me up to be more generous. And I hope it would encourage you as well. See, on week one of our Blessed to Be a Blessing series, do you remember how I ended the message? I gave you a practical challenge, right? To give something of value away to someone else. Ask God to reveal a need around you and then just meet it. Well, after the first service, I gave that challenge and I was worshiping in this service. And during worship, I just felt, I felt conflicted, maybe just on my own, but I was like, God, I'm just, I've just challenged your church family to do something that I haven't done yet. I never want to ask your flock to do something that I haven't first done. And so, Lord, reveal a need. What is something that I can do? What do you want me to do? And this quick, I had this vision of someone in our church family, and I had this, this vision of me giving them $300. And I was like, all right, God, I'm going to do it. 
And so the third service came, and after the service, I'm sitting right over here in the front row. And after service ended, I turned around to leave, and three rows back is this family, this whole family, mom, all of her kids. And I don't even ever see all these kids in, in this service, but they were here. And I sat down beside them, and I just shared with the Lord and put in my heart. And she began to cry, and she took out her phone, and she showed me this digital budget, and there was a deficit of, a, of an important need for $276. And there on the spot, I just Venmoed her the money. And, and I said, thank you, Lord, just for revealing this need that I could bless this family. Everything went just normal that week. And then the following Sunday, I'm, I'm here worshiping. And during the praise and the worship, uh, this lady comes up to me and gives me this little envelope right here, this little green envelope with purple flowers. And I look inside it, and, and there's cash. And I look over to Stephanie. She's the only person who knew the story before. And I said, it wouldn't surprise me if there was like $300. And so I took it out, and it was $250. And I was like, wow, God, this is crazy. So I immediately took $25, tithed to the Lord. And then I said, Stephanie, this doesn't belong to us. This is like, it just felt very sacred. And I was like, God, we got to steward this well. I mean, it was like, and it became kind of fun. It was like, wow, this is crazy. We hadn't told anybody, and now it's come back. And, and, and it, it really just felt like Monopoly money, you know? Like, here we go, Lord. Let's go on another adventure. And at the end of service, she, Stephanie leaned, to me, leaned over to me. She goes, there's a couple of college students I think we need to bless. There's two in particular that just give $50 each to. I said, all right. So after service, I found these two guys. And I said, my wife just it was laid on her heart to, to bless you and give you these, this $50. Right out of this envelope. It was just like within an hour. And they said, thank you. And one of them circled back to Stephanie and, and said, hey, thank you so much because I've had this parking ticket for $50 hanging over my head. I haven't been able to pay for it. And I'm going to pay this parking ticket off. And, and then it was like one knee turned into another knee. And I just began to just like all during the week, just like, God, help me to see these needs. How can I be generous? How can I be used of you? And then I had $100 left. And it was like towards the end of the week. And I was working out on the pavilion with some guys. And one of the guys said, I got to go inside the church, but I've, I've got a friend who's going to be bringing my vehicle. He's a mechanic. He'd been working on it. And let me know when he gets here so I can pay him. And I knew the mechanic because he's in my neighborhood. And so I, I, I texted him. I said, hey, how, how much is the repair to this vehicle? And he didn't respond to me right away. And so I took the $100, and I had to go leave for lunch with my daughter. And I, and I found somebody here at the church. And I said, hey, I want you to be outside. And when Scott gets here, give him this $100. If, it, if it's less, then tell my friend just to keep the rest of the money. If it's more, just tell the mechanic that I'm good for it. And so I leave, and I'm having lunch with my daughter. I go to the bathroom, and I, I look at my phone, and the mechanic had responded. And guess how much the repair of the vehicle was? exactly a hundred dollars and so i'm looking at this amount and i'm crying i go to my table and i'm like broken i'm all red-eyed and emma's like what's wrong dad i'm like nothing wrong everything's right and i'm just like blown away and i shouldn't be blown away anymore but just begin to praise God and thank him for seeing needs that are being met that became like little dominoes that just because we're faithful and we trust and, we, and we're just sensitive to needs that are around us, it just, there's a joy in that. It was like the happiest week of my year 
because this certain kind of joy and happiness comes not because of what we get, but because of what we give. 